0: And Between the pipes, your host, George So Hello, everybody. I'd like to thank you all so very much for joining me Between the pipes. I have a very special new co-host as me, Adam Blumenshine, one of my good buddies here down in Fort Hood, Texas. It sucks ass. Adam, how you doing today, man? Oh, I'm doing good, George. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being a part of it. So, uh, I know who you are. Why don't you tell all of my listeners, our listeners now who you are, what do you do?
1: All right, so uh, I'm a country boy from back home in Ohio. Uh, grew up on a farm, still live on a farm, Die-hard sports fan, and uh, firefighter on the part-time days. So, still a eventual full-time goal, but as of now, the farming keeps me pretty busy, so. Good stuff,
0: all right, bud. So, obviously, I know what you do in the Army. Tell everybody else what you do. I'm a truck driver, Hey, Mike's name is Mr. George here, And. We like to transport the
1: goods around. Uh, I don't the think I'm transporting. It's a hard
0: time. <laughs> all right, so I mean, we all know you're a sports guy like myself. That's why you decided right. to be on the show oh, with yeah. me, which I appreciate. So what have you been doing during this quarantine that everybody knows we've been locked down for?
1: Um, I honestly don't do a whole lot um, throughout, my, throughout my day. I like to go work out, do a little running. Um, pretty into basketball as far as playing it. Um, so I go out and shoot some hoops. Uh, we got some cornhole boards, toss that around. You're then, any good at cornhole?
0: Uh, average. I yeah, say average. I mean, I was good last night. Sergeant Pratt was terrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Dexter and Hillbilly were killing us. I, my back was hurting from carrying the
1: team a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I am I'm. imagine. Yeah, I have my good days and bad days. But <laughs> Then after that, I like to chill out. I got a PC. I play Call of Duty pretty oftenly on.
0: Yeah, what did um uh, there, What system do you use?
1: Oh, I, I uh, well, use my Xbox account, but being that we don't have all the uh, luxuries here, oh. didn't didn't decide to invest in another TV or Xbox, so I pulled my laptop out and play. Oh, a few so games how does that there. work?
0: Because I really I don't use laptops to play games or computers. So how do you play from your Xbox account on your computer?
1: So with Call of Duty, they make it pretty easy. Um, everything in Call of Duty is run through uh, Activision, mm-hmm. and it's like a a. I want to say like a global network okay. that PlayStation, Xbox, or computer can all play with each other. Yeah. Um, you can use the same accounts for any of them, uh, which makes it really nice to keep all your stuff. Pretty but, gnarly. Yeah, so throughout the day you can find me you know, killing some folks on Warzone and <laughs> taking the dubs. If you get killed by Adam Almighty 22 out there, you know who's got you.
0: I am no good at Call of Duty. I don't play. We live literally five, four blocks away from each other. And I still never see you throughout the day because you're either playing or you're outside when I'm inside, or you're inside when I'm outside. And so yeah, that's why I just figured I would ask all those cool little. Why the hell I have a pop up on my computer? Don't worry, I'm cool with that. Anyways, so yeah, if you uh, you guys know anything about Call of Duty, go ahead and get your ass kicked by them. Uh, you yeah. probably with my ass too because I'm terrible at it. Add them all
1: money, twenty two. Add me if you want to win. <laughs> uh,
0: so what else? How, how have you been uh, handling this this lockdown though from the army standpoint? Uh, you know, it's driving us a little crazy, at least for me. I don't know how you're going, going with it. Oh,
1: uh, you know, it's, it's hard being cooped up like this. I mean, I'm sure everybody back home feels the same way,
0: but just being locked in here kind of. We're well, stuck to a quarter-mile area. like If that, going, you know, No, the, the whole block is one quarter, one quarter of a mile. Like, I think I can piss farther than that. All right, well, with all that being said, let's get into our two minutes for hooking. This week we're going to go over the Metropolitan Division. In order, from first to worst, I am overthrowing it out of order a little bit because I'm going to talk about the Blue Jackets last, as that's our favorite team. Uh, so, first place, we had the Washington Capitals with 90 points, Philadelphia with 89, Pittsburgh with 86, Carolina with 81, Columbus with 81, the Islanders with 80, the Rangers with 79, and New Jersey with 68 points. Alongside that, we're going to also discuss... A follow-up to the NFL draft. Adam, take it away, bud. All right, today, probably only going to go over the first round. Probably won't dig too deep into
1: it, but I do have a few surprising picks, a few intriguing guys that um, I'm excited to
0: see what they do at the next level. So look forward to discussing that with you, George. Hey, you know more about the NFL than I do with all that fun stuff. I just pay attention to hockey and, and baseball. Shoot. All right, well, let's get in, shall we? Our first team up. We're traveling to Washington to see the Capitals. Their top five scorers this season are John Carlson, 75 points, 15 goals. Alexander Ovechkin, 67 points with 48 goals. Nicholas Backstrom, 54 points with 12 goals. Jacob Vrana, 52 points with 25 goals. And Evgeny Kuznetsov, 52 points with 19 goals. The goaltenders this year, the usual, Braden Holtby with 48 games played, with a record of 25, 14, and six, a GAA of 311, and a save percentage of 89.7, and he was backed up by Ilya Samsonov with 26 games played, a record of 16, six, and two, with a 255 GAA, and a 91.3 save percentage. Now, Adam, as I'm looking here at these numbers, Braden is looking kind of rough this season. He only 25 wins on 47 or 48 games, and his GAA is high this year,
1: yeah, I, when we were rambling earlier, we got to thinking, I, I do believe he said his uh, normal state percentage is up in the low 90s, 91, 92, right in that area. Yeah. So being at 89, I don't know if it's a little bit of age getting him or just an off year. But definitely with the Caps still being in first, their
0: offense is yeah, that's to really keep
1: them afloat here.
0: And how about this backup with you know, 16 wins with 26 games played? It's not bad. No, and he's young too, uh, only
1: 22 years old. Uh, definitely got a lot of potential. Could be uh, – um, High value,
0: high value here in the next few few years. He could be the backup or the replacement, too. I mean, Braden's only 31, if I'm not mistaken, but he's getting up there in age. You know, most goaltenders can make it to about 37, 38 when they play at the high value. But if they notice that his play is declining, it's a business. It is. You got to let go of the guy and do what you got to do. But like you had said, the offense is striking. I mean, Shoot, Ovi's got forty-eight goals again this season. You know they're they're getting everything done. They've got a great uh, plus-minus differential. I mean, shoot, they got twenty-five plus this year, which means that even with the lack of Holtby, they are still getting production from that top line. You know what I mean? Absolutely, and and honestly, in my
1: opinion, the uh, the age of paying uh, older, uh, more experienced goaltenders hmm. high dollars to be a goalie is. It's kind of fading out of the way here, you know. These younger goalies are coming in, and they're just performing better off the bat, and you can pay them less, and I wouldn't be surprised to see more of a change and start seeing some of these goalies not get as big contracts later on, and a lot of teams just rotating mm-hmm. new goalies in every
0: few years. We saw how that played out for the Panthers. They signed Bobrovsky for, you know, seven years, $70 million, and he's got a mediocre record this season he's just barely overwinning, and his numbers are way low this season, you know? Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I like what you're noticing there with the possibility of bringing in and keeping younger goaltenders every – I mean, with that being happened, it's a gamble because that new goalie coming up is always going to be hit or miss, but that's why you have got to develop them in the uh, AHL or the ECHL, wherever they're coming from. It's always
1: going to be a hard, hard decision for the general managers and coaches because having that older goalie with experience such as Holtby is always – you know what you got. Mm-hmm. You know Whether that's great, good, or average, you know you're always going to get most of the time
0: with these older goalies that are still in a pretty decent play. But I tell you, some of these younger goalies are really really shining on certain nights. Oh, yeah. We got a couple of them coming up in the Metropolitan we'll talk about here in a minute. And now we're going to fly west and head over to Philadelphia. Top five
1: points leaders for Philadelphia are Travis Canense with 61 points and 24 goals. Next is Sean Coutier with 59 points and 22 goals. And third is Jacob Vorsack with 56 points and 12 goals. Fourth is Claude Giroux, with 53 points and 21 goals. And fifth is Kevin Hayes with 41 points and 23 goals.
0: All right, and for the goaltenders, we have Carter Hart with 43 games played, a record of 24, 13, and 3, a GAA of 242, and a 91.4 save percentage. Followed up by Brian Elliott with 31 games played, a record of 16, 7, and 4, with a GAA of 287 and an 89.9% save percentage. Now, I know Carter's 21 years old. Looks like he's taken over to be that that prime goaltender to to be between the pipes every night. But Brian Elliott at 34 years old, still playing 31 games and has a pretty decent record here. you know, do you expect them to keep sharing loads like this, or do you expect Carter to gradually work his way up to more starts, and Elliot to be eventually let go, or you'll know, be that season backup, bud?
1: Yeah, this this is interesting because one of those um, uh, teams you'd like to see finish the season out uh, to see what they really did. Because Carter Hart, being uh, that young, definitely doesn't have a lot of experience, but by golly, he has shown that he can perform at the NHL level. I mean. 91.4 save percentage um, is pretty darn good, uh, and Brian Elliott's still right there with uh, 89.9. So I mean they're they're neck and neck, but yeah, I, I think Carter Hart might be the uh, new goaltender there.
0: Actually, yeah, I I thought that Brian was the the, the goaltender there for a while because I've seen him you know when he played in Columbus a few times. I don't remember ever seeing Carter Hart, and then this year I see his name there. Like holy crap, like. I mean, if he's that young and he's that good, I, I wish him a, you know, a good career. Shoot.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, they're one of, another one of the
0: great uh, young goaltenders we have. Exactly what you are pointing out. Now, here's what blows my mind is not only are the goalies getting it done, you know, they had a, a mid 2.4, 2.5 GAA, but look at this differential here, a plus 36 on Philadelphia's part. You know, It means the offense is turning on all cylinders, and the goalies are doing what they need to do to help out the rest of the team, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that
1: that's really an interesting stat because one of those things that kind of goes unnoticed, you know, you don't doesn't catch your eye and then you get to looking it and it's like, man, they they really are playing it together yeah. as a group, you know? Yeah. Like I
0: said or to you before offline, we call those the intangibles, man. Like you know, there's a plus 36, is it the defense Are the players step up and do what they need to do to break up passes? Are the goaltenders on islands where they're just that damn good? You know, they, that, that's, that's one thing I like about hockey. That's one thing I like about all sports is what do players do that you don't see on film, that you don't see on a stat sheet? You understand?
1: Absolutely, yeah. It makes, makes a big difference.
0: So, All right, well, that's all for Philly. Time to go a little bit more west, and we're going to go visit the Pittsburgh Penguins. The top five scorers in the Steel City are Evgeny Malkin, 74 points with 25 goals. Brian Rust with 56 points and 27 goals. Sidney Crosby, 47 points and 16 goals. Chris Letang, 44 points and 15 goals. And Jake Gunzel, 43 points with 20 goals. The goaltenders out here for the Steel City, none other than Matt Murray. 38 games played with a record of 20-11-5. A GAA of 287 and a save percentage of 89.9. Followed up by backup Tristan Jerry with 33 games played, a record of 20, 12, and 1, with a 243 GAA and a 92.1% save percentage. Now, what's crazy is you brought this up to me earlier. Matt Murray's only 25. He's been playing with Pittsburgh for four or five years now. And then, you know, he was the guy that replaced the great Marc Andre Fleury. So to see him. Be that young blew my mind, again, a young goaltender, but the fact that his backup, Tristan Jerry, who I, quite frankly, had never really heard of because every time I've seen a Blue Jackets game, it's always been Murray or Marc-Andre Fleury for all the games I've been to, and he is a solid backup too, like, he's got a 243, say, a GAA and a 92.1 save percentage, that's pretty good. It is, and...
1: When you look at his stats and break it down, you know 33 games played versus 38. Um, for playing as many games, and granted, I, I don't believe he has the experience that Matt Murray does. Yeah. Having a higher save percentage, um, three shutouts. Matt Murray only has one. Um, they they got two good goalies.
0: I mean, that's that's a hell of a one-two punch right there. It is. If I mean, you, if you you just brought up how good he is, and the fact that Murray had been either injured or the amount of time he didn't play due to rest whatever the case would have been, that you could rely on your backup that much and have, not saying he's better than Matt Murray, I mean, like I said before, there's a lot of things people could have done that helped out Jerry with, you know, breaking up passes and and just filling the lanes properly on shots, you know, uh, but like you said, these guys are both young, one's got a lot of experience, one, you know, still says pretty inexperienced, but he's getting it done, so... Absolutely, I, I think it speaks a lot to their
1: defense too. To be able to keep two goalies, um, you know, one with a little more experience, like you said, and one with not to have similar stats. I mean, that defense is, is putting
0: in some work. And you know, when you, you break it down, Pittsburgh's got 224 goals for them, and they've only given up 196 goals. So they've got a plus 28 goal differential. So like, you're you're right. The goalies are getting it done, and the defense is helping out where they need to be used. And that's that's a paramount thing when it comes to any sport is making sure your guys are there. And people don't realize how much defensemen really put in the work. Not even just the defensemen. And you see the forwards that you know they they back check and they get it all done. So Pittsburgh's team, you know, obviously we're Blue Jackets fans, but Pittsburgh is a phenomenal team every year. They get it done. They
1: they know how to play together. Uh, that's for sure. You can definitely tell when you watch them the way they rotate, the way they move around the ice. Uh, communication they They just they have it all together they
0: they're like the military shoot move communicate (laughs) they get it done yeah and you know what else blows my mind as i'm sitting here looking at these top three teams right now they're all separated by four points or less washington's got 90 philly's got 89 and pittsburgh's got 86 the metropolitan is anyone's division you know up to the very end every year very seldom do you ever see one team lock it up early
1: you know it's for the past couple years it has been a really competitive division i mean it's it's taken till the end of the year for um, the final teams to walk in their playoff positions. I mean, you're not having multiple teams weeks out from the season's end
0: clinching their spot. I mean, it's it's a fight to the end. Yep. And I tell everybody I talk to, I don't care who you are, what, what division you're for, your favorite team. The Metropolitan is the toughest division because you can see here, even all the way down to the, the Rangers and Islanders, they're only 11 points difference. All from first to seventh place is 11 points. With 12 games left in the season, or 13 right now, you know, if somebody had to lose a lot of games and somebody had to win a lot of games, but you can still make that push to the playoff, make that wild card. Yeah, that that keeps it interesting. Exactly. It's enticing to watch. It, that's it, that's the beauty about it. And so now we're going to go a little bit south, visit Raleigh, and go to see the Carolina Hurricane.
1: Your top five in scoring this season are Sebastian Aho with 66 points and 38 goals. Next is tu- Tuvo Tara Vinen with 63 points and 15 goals third is Andre Zvezdkov with 61 points and 24 goals fourth is Dougie Hamilton with 40 points and 47 goals and fifth is Martin Nikas with 36 points and 16 goals
0: hey buddy you, uh, I think you misread that it's supposed to be 40 points and 14 goals What did I say? 47 47 goals if you tied with Austin Matthews That'd be pretty, uh, pretty exciting. wouldn't you yeah, say? Right? And the goaltenders on the season, their number one guy between the pipes, Peter Mrazic. He had 40 games played with a record of 21-16-2, a GAA of 2.69, and a save percentage of 90.5. His backup, James Reimer. With 25 games played, with a record of 14-6-2, with a 2.66 GAA and a 91.5% save percentage, and we're not going to talk about the other three guys that filled in here and there throughout the minor leagues and emergencies or whatever else the case may be, because quite frankly, they don't matter. Am I right, buddy? Oh yeah, it's such a small amount of games played. I mean, one, three, and four, and
1: not not a substantial difference to their season and exactly. focusing on the top two is i think the way to go basically
0: so you know what what's crazy here is despite carolina being nine points out of first there's my german coming out i me. nine uh nine points out of first they still have a plus 29 gaa or GA goal differential excuse me i'm all over the board today that's pretty cool um and like i said it's still anybody's anybody's place to, to take for over the next couple of games because Hasn't put in stone. Has not been put in stone yet. But Burtman's talking about letting the season play out. We'll discuss that here in a little bit. But Carolina, they've been great this past couple of years. Like they've been up and down. They've been hitting the wild card consistently. I'm gonna take a stab and say they break the top three next year.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, if they do let the season play out, like I know we're all hoping they do. They are going to be a team to watch. I mean, not many games left, but they they can bump up there in one of them top two spots. I mean, it wouldn't take a whole lot. I no. mean, they've got the potential. They've got the players to do it. Yeah. I mean?
0: I mean, shoot, we were talking about Aho. The dude is super young. He's one of the more talented forwards in the league, all right? and he just signed an extension for, I think, four or five seasons. So they got their centerpiece developed in Carolina. Now they're just going to keep building up around him and, and – I mean, these guys, they're not bad. They just they need to get a little more solid. The goaltending has been there. You know, they're in the middle of the road with a 2-5 GA ish And, I mean, they got guys out here that all have almost positives in their top five scoring in plus-minus differential. aho has got a plus 10. ten, has got 20. Uh, Zvechkinov. Zvechkinov is nine. Dougie Hamilton has a plus 30. That means him and his line and defense are getting it done. Yeah,
1: that – you know, with this break we've had, it's almost going to be like an off season to these players. So, I mean, we've said just a bit ago that they're a contender for next year. Mm-hmm. I mean, if this season does play out, the way that they were finishing the season, I should say, um, they, they definitely are going to be scary, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, here, whether it be one year from now, two years, what, I mean, the players they have, The way they're playing, the way they've developed their young talent,
0: uh, they're going to be a team to watch for sure. And when you think about it, they've been off, what, since March 14th now. If you break that down, that's over a month and a half off. That's a lot of rest for these guys. And so they should be healthy. They'll be in shape. Now, that's the other thing, though. Did they stay in shape when they went to the off season, or are they continuously working out? That's something we got to think about. But to a lot of these guys, they're well-rested. People that were hurt might be able to play again. So there's a lot of things coming up. But if these guys could make that final push, I could see them leaving the wild card and going up into third place, and they're going to fight with the Penguins. Yeah, that that would not be a surprise to me. Not one bit.
1: Hey, Adam, I am question for you. What's that, George? Um... Have you drank any Clorox lately? You know, I haven't quite decided to do that yet, but I've heard, heard it might be a good
0: tactic. I don't know. I mean, either. I mean, maybe those people that ate Tide Pods a couple years ago were on to something.
1: Yeah, you never know. I mean, cleaning out the insides, killing the virus. I mean, hey, laundry detergent, Clorox,
0: it's all the same, isn't it? Yeah, I guess. What? I mean, shoot, this week's two minutes for tripping, we're here to go talk about everybody misinterpreting what President Trump had to say. Apparently, he asked about disinfecting the inside of the body somehow, and everybody thought you should be drinking Clorox or Lysol in your body or injecting yourself with UV rays somehow. You want to explain that to me, Adam? How are you going to put UV light in your body? Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I heard people talking that maybe
1: the UV rays would kill all the bacteria um, virus that was outside. Um, you know, it could be hit by the sun, but they brought up a point like that wouldn't really work because, you know, if you had a, a handrail on a stairs and... There was virus on the top, and the UV rays killed the virus on the top. It doesn't kill the uh, the virus on the bottom, so
0: I'm everybody's just exactly. everybody's tripping. Everybody's tripping. Exactly. There's penalties <laughs> everywhere, and you know I, I just figured we'd make that this month this week's two much of tripping because guys, you know I, I shouldn't be saying this, but I'm going to. All right, if you think drinking Clorox or eating a disinfectant or drinking something that's poisonous will help clean your body and get rid of a virus bacteria parasite darwin is at its finest i like i said i shouldn't say it but don't don't call the cdc asking them if it's okay to drink clorox drink bleach drink anything that you know is poisonous all right and if you accidentally ingest it then call them and figure out what it is you need to do but please Take what Trump said with a grain of salt and realize that he didn't say drink Clorox or Tide Pods or Lysol. He's asking, is there a way to chemically clean out the body that would not cause harm? And a lot of people are freaking out about it. So be safe, be smart, call your local CDC if you have any questions, but do not consume anything that has a poisonous label on it, please. Yeah, If you didn't know, uh, Clorox will cause harm, so... Yeah. I don't think that's quite what Trump meant no. by chemically cleaning the body. It, I mean, I, it's not. But some people misinterpreted it. Some people, they don't like Trump, so they went straight to that. Some people really didn't know what he meant. So whatever the case may be, everybody, just make sure you're smart about it and take care of, every, take care of your kids, your husbands, wives, whoever it is that you're with. and Don't do anything that may cause more bodily harm because you ingested a form of poison. And that's this week's Two Minutes for Trippin'. Next team up, the New York Islanders. Their top five scorers on the season are Matthew Barzel, 60 points and 19 goals. Brock Nelson, 54 points and 26 goals. Andrews Lee, 43 points with 20 goals. Josh Bailey, 43 points and 14 goals. And Jordan Eberle, 40 points with 16 goals. The goaltenders were Thomas Grice, 31 games played with a record of 16-9-4 with a GAA of uh, 274 and a save percentage of 91.3 followed up by the starter, Semyon Varlamov, with 45 games played, with a record of 19-14-6, with a 262 GAA, and a 91.4% safe percentage. The Islanders, like most of the teams in the Metropolitan, are sitting right around middle of the road. I mean, if you look at the standings, they're only 10 points out of first place, and they're easily, you know, with with, uh, what, 14 games left in the season, yeah. They can make a run for the wild card, pushing both Carolina and Columbus out, pending or not pending pending any rough play by either one of those two teams
1: yeah absolutely and you know like with Columbus being there 70 games played and the islanders only 68 I mean they they've got ground that they can cover up easily I mean sure their offense isn't maybe performing to the best this year but I mean they're pretty middle of the road I'd say across the board I mean yeah. no one's really having a great year but no one's really having a terrible year either I mean you,
0: yeah go ahead but they're pretty average all around I mean Take it. a look at their goaltenders too. You know, uh, most people used to talk real bad about their goaltending a couple of years back. You know, if you look their their stats are middle of the road as well. You know, they they're not outperforming themselves, but they're not god awful either. You know, I just like the intangibles. How was well the defense holding up for them? How well are the goalies? I and mean, the goalies' numbers are right around the middle. You got a 2.62 GAA and a 2.74, and both guys are saving 91.4 percent, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean, makes you wonder. I mean, the, goal, the it, when you look at the stats, the goaltenders don't look like they're doing too bad, really. No, I mean, it's just, the offense is, isn't producing the goals for them like they I, they <clears throat> hoped coming into this year. I think.
0: I mean, they've only got a negative one goal differential. That's well, it's not a plus, but you know, theoretically, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, it's oh. not
1: not too bad comparatively.
0: But um, I mean, they have, like I said, if they do finish up the season, 14 games left to make up that ground to. Possibly move up. I mean, shoot. Even the uh, the Capitals have 69 games played, so you know they're still one game behind the Caps in order. Now, will they make that push? Who knows. There's five other teams ahead of them that all have to make mistakes. So, the Islanders, they're coming together, but it's not going to be this year. They're going to need some luck. We're going to stay in New York, but go to a different part of New York. Next team up, the Rangers. Their top five scores this year are Artemi Panarin. AKA the bread man. 95 points, 32 goals. Mike Bonjad 75 points with 41 goals. Ryan Strom, 59 points with 18 goals. Tony D'Angelo, 53 points with 15 goals. And Pavel Buchnevich, 46 points with 16 goals. As usual, Henrik Lundqvist was the starting goaltender for the New York Rangers. His record this season was 30 games played, with a 10, 12, and 3 record, a 3.16 GAA, and a 90.5% save percentage. Followed by Alexander Georgiev with 34 games played and a record of 17, 14, and 2, with a GAA of 3.04 and a save percentage of 91 on the dot. And then the backup from there, Igor Chesterkin, had 12 games played with a 10 and 2 record, a GAA of 2.52, and a 9.32 save percentage
1: when you get to looking you got Henrik Ludquist uh, he's 37 you know he got injured this year age is kind of becoming a factor with him still obviously I think he's still the top paid goalie in the NHL
0: yeah as far as I'm concerned his contract still has him as one of the top paid men yes
1: and I mean still still a good goalie but I wouldn't be surprised when this contract ends he tires and Friends sails off, off in the sunset yeah
0: Yeah. with that being said uh, I mean it's, I guess it's good they got these two younger guys playing that Georgiev guy he's a decent backup. He's been up and down in their farm system a couple of times, but this Igor Shustarkin, I mean, for him being as young as he is and getting a call up, ten and two is not a bad record at all.
1: No, and that save percentage, ninety-three point two. I mean, that's that's pretty good. That's I mean,
0: that's near the elite level. It um, is. I mean, it,
1: go ahead. It's going to be a battle, I think, for uh, uh, the starting goal position. I mean, you got two guys, both capable. Yeah. I mean, it, it'd be an interesting thing to see this offseason, how it all plays
0: out. If they do continue playing off the season, I think Shosturkin's going to take over for as the backup, but they're going to gradually increase his workload. Put Henrik, assuming he's healthy and everything, he's going to step back and they're going to transfer who has more games. Even though Lundqvist is a fan favorite, you got to realize it's a business. you got to do what's best to win. So, um, I see it coming out that way. Is Henrik will start, Igor's gonna be the backup. This Georgiov's guy, he might get sent back down, but this is gonna be Henrik's last season coming up. He'll be 39, riding off in the sunset. Um, And that's just the way I see the goaltenders playing out next year. Yeah, I agree with that. That that would work out well for him, I think. I I think so too. At least keep him up there to learn and develop, or keep Henrik up there to develop the next man, and then bring Igor up to be his backup. And then Henrik retires, Sign another a goalie, back him up, or if you guys want to keep Georgiev, keep him there too. I mean, these are all viable guys. Their their save percentages are all over 90%, which is great. The only rough spot is both Georgiev and Lundquist had over 3 GAA, which is going back into the average level. So it means they're they're stopping their shots, but you know they're they're stopping a lot of them, I should say. But you know, volume means I could stop, you know, 37 shots a night and they only allow give up three goals if they're hitting me 40 times how it makes my save percentage kind of buffer and look better than it really is so I haven't watched enough of the Rangers to know whether or not these guys are giving up a lot of goals is it on the defense but I mean their save percentages are looking good so I guess they're, they're getting volume blocks basically um, anyways that's that's the Rangers in review and actually as we we're looking through there they have an 18 year old on the team Kuko I believe his name was Kako he's only 18 he's already making pretty big strides here with uh 23 total points, you know, coming up out of nowhere, the age of 18 and making making a splash in the league is, pretty pretty nice. So, here's the hoping out that you know these young guys are are coming up in the league and getting things done for the Rangers, because when you look at it, you know, like I said, they're only 11 points out of first. The Metropolitan has always been a toss up, and it's it's something uh, quite cool to see. You know? Yeah, that
1: this division is the hardest division by far. I think. I mean. You look at all eight of these teams,
0: I mean, no one's really extremely far behind. No. I mean, they're all neck and neck. No, don't get me wrong. Boston, Tampa, and Toronto are all great teams. Like, they are a powerhouse themselves, but they run away the division every year. Whereas, yeah, sure, Pittsburgh and and Philly, or not Philly, Washington always have the top two spots and then three through eight for the Metropolitan's Open but they're always within 6 to 10 points of each other. That's why we say the metropolitan is the hardest division.
1: Yeah, the, the wild card teams in the metropolitan are always similar points to the leaders in the Atlantic it seems like. Yeah. Whereas the wild card in the Atlantic are fighting for the wild card
0: there would be uh, lower tier in the metropolitan. It's it's an, it's interesting. It though. is. Oh, all right, and that's our follow up of the Rangers. So, if you guys are hearing the lawnmowers in the background, that's our apology kind of have to record outside too many people inside and i'd rather you guys listen to the birds chirping and lawnmowers in the background and maybe a little bit of wind and hear some of the crazy shit that goes on in the barracks where you wouldn't be able to hear us at all because you got people playing madden or call of duty or i don't even know sleeping snoring talking about beating the hell out of each other or jerking off in showers like i said it's a pretty crazy ass world out there however
1: Moving on to the Devils point scores, you have Kyle Palmieri with 45 points and 25 goals, Nikita Gusev with 44 points and 13 goals, Nico Hischier with 36 points and 14 goals, Jesper Bratt with 32 points and 16 goals, and fifth, Pavel Zacha, 32 points and 8 goals. This year's starting goaltender was Mackenzie Blackwood with 47 games played with a record of 22-14-8, a GAA of 2.77, and a save percentage of 91.5. His backup was Corey Schneider with 13 games played, a record of 3-6-2, a GAA of 3.53, and a save percentage of 88.7.
0: Those numbers for Schneider are very, very uh, pedestrian. He's known to be a pretty good goaltender over his career, at least from what I've known. Uh, he was injured, and then whenever he came back from injury, he had a rough time. Um, I remember his first game back, I think, was against the Jackets, and he was, I thought he was going to start off real hot. I'm like, alright, you know, he's always got an R number, and yeah, it's whatever happened, I think we ended up beating him like 5-2 to two or 5-3 to three that night, so he, he had a rough outing, and that's why his GAA looks high. Um, I'm just saying, thinking, you know, the injury and all the rust, he, I'm hoping that he has a bounce-back season, but for Blackwood filling in the pipes for him, those, you know, are decent numbers to hold down the court as a backup you know
1: yeah they're, they're gonna have an interesting situation here because blackwood definitely has potential but he still has a lot of development yet i mean only 23 granted he didn't do too bad for that yeah. uh lack of experience he has but their their goaltending situation is gonna need some help i think um schneider's up there in age and yeah. starting to go on the wayside i mean he, i think he already hit his potential oh yeah he's kind of slipping as far as that, and Blackwood could be a really good backup, I think, but oh, yeah. I don't know if he has that elite starter potential as we've seen in some of the other goalies we've touched on.
0: Yeah, It's right, and you know, like you said, it's interesting because, like you said, Corey's a little bit up there in age, and McKenzie's still young, so do you do the transition where you let the veteran start and gradually switch out the workloads so and let him come down, you know, so based on their ages or whatever, I mean Schneider's still only 33, but yeah, he's, he's got a few years left in him, however, you want to make that transition over a two or three year period where you start to swap out the workload and if you don't feel comfortable, we understand it's a business, Schneider goes, Blackwood stays, and you guys bring someone up or someone in, we don't know what's going to happen in the off season. But I, I don't think they are going to give up on Schneider yet, he's been a solid goalie, I think he just had a rough season due to the injury and if I'm not mistaken, he got injured last year, carried into this year and then he finally got himself together.
1: Yeah, I mean, the injuries are definitely playing a part in it, but, I mean, durability with these older goaltenders, I mean, sometimes that has a big effect on how they're performing, you know, yeah. whether he's playing cautious or just wasn't quite ready when he got back in it. Exactly, and,
0: you know, a lot of these guys, they want to push their bodies as quickly as they can because, you know, they're getting paid and they don't want to be one of those guys that looks at, like, well, the longer I sit, the quicker I lose my position and go somewhere else or maybe lose a job altogether. So there's a lot of these guys come back before they're ready. I'm not saying Schneider did that because he looked pretty good for a while, but you know, hopefully, he, this this little break right here that we're having before the NHL comes back together is going to help him out. It's going to help out everybody. So hopefully, he gets healthy and he comes back. You got to remember though, they they weren't very well orchestrated. I mean, they had a negative forty-one goal um, turnover. You know, obviously they had other goalies that played for them. We just didn't go in depth to talk about the other two, but they gave up uh, forty-one goal negative differential. They weren't scoring very many goals. They've been giving up a lot of them. So, you know, uh, this this year is a fluke. You know, I remember when they brought up all their young talent a couple years ago. It was great. They, they played very well. And I'm, I'm hoping that maybe they can bring it back together. And not they're not going to win the division, but they're going to close that gap from that 12-point difference that they have. Or not, not 12 points, uh, 22 points from the Rangers. Or not Rangers. From New Jersey to the capitals. That's a 22 point difference. And I'm hoping they could close that gap coming in within 10 points. Keep the metropolitan as tight as it usually is.
1: Yeah, that differential is by far the worst in the division, but when you look at the roster, I mean they are pretty young. Yeah. I mean not a lot of experience. Um, they definitely could put in some work and oh. I could see them closing the gap here in the next couple of years for sure.
0: Yeah, so you know, the devils, yeah, they they're in hell. They're sitting at the bottom. Last but certainly not least, your Columbus Blue Jackets in 5th place. Their top 5 scorers this year were Pierre-Luc Dubois, 49 points, 18 goals. Gustav Nyquist, 42 points with 15 goals. Zach Korensky, 41 points to 20 goals. Olivier Bjorkstrand, 36 points to 21 goals. And Nicky Figgs, 31 points with 10 goals. The two goaltenders this season for the Columbus Blue Jackets were Jonas Korpasalo, 37 games played, with a record of 19, 12, and 5 with a 260 GAA and a 911 save percentage. Followed up by rookie goaltender Elvis Merzlikens, who had 33 games played with a record of 13, 9, and 8, with a 235 GAA and a 92.3% save percentage. You know what blows my mind, Adam? Elvis is a rookie. Yeah, uh, he, and
1: he, sorry to interrupt, but
0: he did not start the season well, but no, boy did he come he, on and shine. He was 0-8 for his first nine games, right? One of the games that count um, because... Uh, I think Garner's come in and ended up getting the W for them. But look how he turned it around. He he was god-awful, and he ended up the season with a 235 GAA, a 92% save percentage, and he was tied for first place in shutouts as a rookie. Uh, if that doesn't have Calder Memorial Trophy written all over it with those numbers, I don't know what is. However, goalies don't give much love last goaltender to win a Calder Memorial Trophy was Columbus Blue Jackets goaltender Steve Mason back in 2008. So is it able to happen again? Who knows? But both these goaltenders just signed a two-year extension. They're both 26 years old. I think they have a real solid future as the goaltenders. They could split time evenly. They could go back and forth. I feel like they weren't ready to give up in Corpusello after his knee injury. He came back, and I mean, the dude still had all these are record highs for him. 19 wins, 12 losses, the whole shebang. Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to look good when you're backing up elite goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky for four years like he did. And to see Elvis come in and fill in that hole while Jonas was injured, blows my mind.
1: Yeah, if the, if the Jackets play this right, I mean, you could have two elite caliber goaltenders splitting time. I mean, you're going to have to keep them both happy. You know, that's... It's a business in the end, but I mean the options are endless here. I mean we could be set for a long time.
0: Now you know what blows my mind here is the Blue Jackets were the second wild card team, all right? or they were they were jockeying for the second wild card position. Uh, I think they just fell out before the season came to a, an abrupt close. The Jackets are a negative seven goal differential, right? But when you look at this roster here, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back over to you got people like uh, Lilja. Um, Kukan, Mathew, Peak, uh, short is actually traded for. Um McKenna and, and Carlson, Robinson, all these guys, and they're Gerby even, little five foot four Gerby. All, right, all these guys, they may as well have been the Cleveland Monsters with how injured they were and depleted. They were in a playoff push with an entire AHL team making up the bottom two lines and three of their defensemen. You know, imagine if they were healthy and Corby never got hurt, and all these other guys didn't have to miss time due to injury.
1: Yeah, coming into this season, I know a lot of people were skeptical because obviously key departures and no one knew what it was going to look like. They didn't know what the lineups were going to look like, how Torch was going to do, but, I mean, wow. They they showed flashes of brilliance at times.
0: And here's what else blows my mind is the, the team was in the playoff push with very little goal production. So that shows that once the goaltenders and defense got their, their stuff together – That it was good. I mean, their top scorer was Bjorkstrand with 21 points, followed up by defenseman Zach Wierenski with 20 goals. So that's kind of crazy. A defenseman who's only 22 years old, not only is a smart, elite defensive player, but he plays that rover position so well that he could come up and score goals acting as a forward and then go back on defense and do what he needs to do. He does, however, have lapses. I've seen him get, just get lazy out there sometimes with easy passes and turn it over in crucial moments, leading to game winning goals on the opposing team. Those are things that need to get cleaned up. Again, he's still a young player. The whole team is basically, like I said, AHL players going out there.
1: Yeah, and that, I think that speaks a lot to the job Torch has done this year. I mean, being able to get these, like you said, second and third, or third and fourth line guys that were all from the AHL to compete at NHL level. Uh, I mean that's that was brilliant. I mean I don't know how he did it, but kudos to him. Cause- yeah.
0: I mean all these guys are making contributions too. Everybody that came from the, the minors has goals, has assists. You know they have the intangibles that you can't see on the ice, like broken up plays. I mean you got Nate Gerby who stands at five foot four trying to fight guys who are six foot two because they hit his his teammate. Like he's trying to fire these guys up, you know. And then they've had all these injuries too. And then you got guys who've signed massive contracts that aren't producing either. Wenberg's on a six year deal for, you know, 36 million. He hasn't lived up to it. Um, You know, then they got key off season decisions to make on people like Bjorkstrand, you know, they're gonna re-sign him, but is it long term or another restricted contract? And then you got other decisions like, you know, um, Josh Anderson, who's still restricted. What's gonna happen with him? And then, you you know, you got these younger guys who are still on AHL. Contracts that go up and down without any issues or waivers. So the Blue Jackets have a lot of decisions to make this off-season. But one thing's for certain: the goaltenders are locked in, and they're going to hopefully continue that same production they had going into last season. Yeah, and you wonder how
1: the those contract decisions are going to play out because the way these young guys showed they can play, I mean, that could play a key part in what they do decide to do with those contracts on some of those maybe older, experienced guys because. I mean, if you've got all these young guys coming up showing they can play, it it makes it easier to move on from that older guy who's maybe just performing at an average
0: level. I love Dubinsky. Don't get me wrong, he's a good guy. But in my opinion, Dubinsky should have been bought out two years ago. He's been injured. He doesn't play with that fire under his ass anymore. Should have just bought him out, saved some cap space. I mean, there's a couple other names on here I'm not going to talk about, but we'll see what happens. So that's the Blue Jackets in a nutshell. So I need to make a correction to myself. I said Steve Mason won the Calder Memorial Trophy 2008. He had won it in 2009. I thought about 2008 because that's when the season had started. But regardless, he is the last goaltender to win a Calder Memorial Trophy. You know, It was 2008-2009 season. My predictions for next season are the Capitals will take first place, followed by the Penguins, Jackets, Flyers, Rangers, Islander, Hurricane, and Devils. However, Adam, what do you think?
1: Um, I pretty much agree with that. I do think the caps and pens will be one and two. Yeah. Um, the Jackets and the Flyers, I think, are going to be a battle. battle um, for three and four? It is. I, that's just my opinion. And when you look at the Rangers and the Islanders, the two New York teams, I could see the Islanders bumping up with the Rangers, but I do like what you do with the Rangers, um, moving them up above mm-hmm. them, uh, the potential they have, the flashes they showed this year. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. Then the hurricane and de- Hurricanes and Devils at the end, I think, is right where they need
0: to be. All right, that all makes sense. All right, Adam, so you know I do a segment where I talk about a rule for the sports we're going over. We've been doing mostly hockey for the past four weeks. So with that being said, we're going to go over the penalty of a delay a game. You know what that is? Um, a little bit, but I'd like to know more. All right, mind. so there's two forms of delay a game. One of them results in a penalty, one of them doesn't. All right, first delay of game, the one that doesn't result in a penalty is the puck going out of bounds incidentally. A block shot that hits the net, uh, the net above the glass, whatever. A blocked shot or blocked pass that goes outside of the field of play. All right, that is a non-penalized incidental uh, um, delay of game. Now a delay of game that is penalized is usually, most of the time it happens by a goaltender or it happens by a defenseman trying to lug the puck out of the playing field. So they're in their own defensive zone, and they swipe the puck downfield, and then they swing it. It rides up the glass and goes out of bounds in their own defensive zone before passing the blue line. That happens. It's a result of, or it is a result of a delay of game, and then the man that swiped the puck off the ice has to go sit for five or two minutes. As the goaltender does it, one of the five guys on the ice has to go sit. Usually, the coach gets to pick who wants to go. It's got to be one of the guys that was on the ice, so usually you take your least skilled man and put him in so that way It's not going to affect your lines very much. So if a team's on a power play and the defense clears it out and it throws it over Is that uh, if it goes if it goes past the blue line? It's good. If it doesn't you get another penalty okay. You can have multiple delay games that result into a five on three. Okay So usually you ain't got to worry about that too much. You're dumping the puck because when you hit it at the side or you know banking off the wall, you're trying to slow down the puck so it doesn't go into an icing penalty. Whereas when you are on a power play or the penalty kill, you're trying to ice the puck. So okay, and everybody, that's your delay game. I know a lot of my viewers are friends and family from Ohio. I'm hoping to expand because I'm still mostly in Ohio. As a lot of you may know, uh, Cam Atkinson has a. Uh, partnership with a group called force network fund and basically uh, it's a fundraiser that helps produce money for first responders in Ohio veterans and military families in need and stuff like that Um, if you want to go to his Twitter it's pinned up near the top he's got a a video discussing what it is what what you get and stuff it goes to a great cause Uh, if you want to sign up go ahead $35 fee you get a shirt medallion and it's all said and done Um, I'm signing up I have a walking profile in the army so I'm not allowed to run But I'm going to put on my full battle rattle, which is my armor, my helmet, and everything. I'm going to walk to 5K at a quick pace. And my whole squad is going to be in on it, which is going to be 21 people. And then we're going to try to get the whole platoon on it and see if we can't get the commander and get the entire company in on it. So we're going to make our difference overseas. We want you guys to make your difference back here at home and help those that need it. Because, like I said, it goes out to a great cause. Again, go ahead and check out Cam Atkinson's Twitter. And it's right there pinned at the top. It's got a video, him and the guy who are coordinating it, the whole nine. Please, thank you. You know, I, I don't it doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form, but you know, it helps out people who really need it. So thank you again and we appreciate your time. And we're going offside. So we're gonna review the top ten picks and some real big shockers in the National Football League twenty twenty draft. Adam, take it away.
1: All right, to recap your first round top 10 picks, you had number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, the quarterback from LSU. Number two, Chase Young, defensive end, went to the Washington Redskins. At number three, the Detroit Lions picked Jeffrey Okuda, a quarterback from Ohio State. With the fourth pick, the New York Giants took Andrew Thomas, a tackle from Georgia. With the fifth pick, the Dolphins took Tua Tungavailoa, a quarterback from Alabama. The Chargers selected Justin Herbert, a quarterback from Oregon, followed up by the Panthers, who took Derrick Brown, a defensive tackle, from Auburn. The Arizona Cardinals took Isaiah Simmons, a linebacker from Clemson. And with the ninth pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars took cornerback C.J. Henderson from Florida. And with the tenth pick, the Cleveland Browns took Giedrich Willis, tackle from Alabama. Now, George, I don't know how much you follow the NFL. Oh, yeah. um, you're a Browns fan, yes. being from Cleveland. Um, the Browns felt a huge need taking Dude, that, that tackle. That
0: left tackle and the fact that this guy wants to help mentor, get mentored by Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas is gonna go to the Browns organization and teaches Gade how to transfer from right tackle to left. Now remember, he only played right tackle because he was the blind side protection for Tua at Bama. Tua is a left-handed quarterback.
1: Right. So he's basically was the left tackle. You know, yeah. Tua is gonna be the only starting quarterback in the NFL this year that is left-handed. Yeah. So most of your left tackles protect the blind side. That's why the left tackles normally mm-hmm. said to be your best tackle. Um, so he's definitely capable of making that change. I think he was the best tackle available. Yeah, um, I mean, Granted, the Giants took Andrew Thomas with the fourth pick, but um, reviewing scouting reports and just hearing what everybody else was saying, it did sound like uh, Dietrich Willis had the most potential so out of all of them. A
0: lot of people were shook that we took uh, Willis instead of um, Werff. Sure. Werff, yeah, from Yeah, because Werff yeah, was faster or whatever, but when I looked at Will's um, stats – He he started 290 or yeah 290 no excuse me 229 I can't get my numbers right 229 snaps as the tackle for a passing play and only allowed one sack his entire career. Yeah that that's volumes.
1: Right and then uh, last year the Bengals um, took Jonah Williams who was the left tackle
0: for um, Alabama which is kind of why he stuck to that right side exactly. yeah, but let's, let's go into Joe Burrow, you know. Wonder boy, transfers from Ohio State, goes to LSU his first year, still is pretty much nobody. His second year in LSU, the dude's a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, the, Put Athens, Ohio on the map.
1: Right, hometown kid from Athens. I mean, last year coming into, or starting this uh, past college football season, he was projected to be a six-round pick. I mean, he mm-hmm. didn't have the best junior year. No. But then he broke almost <clears throat> every record. LSU had to offer. I well, mean,
0: every record that the NCAA had to offer yeah. that year. I it, mean, it was disgusting. The dude was just his, his, his intangibles, what you don't see on stat sheets. He's is up and up in no pocket to avoid a sack. Right. Uh, rolling, dumping out to the guy. He's, he's got the arm, but he's not going to go chucking at 80 yards on field when he's got a check down guy right there, in the safe route.
1: Right. The, the intelligence of this kid is insane. I mean, he's older, you know. He a, was a fifth-year senior. Most of these guys coming out now are juniors or uh, redshirt juniors. You know, they're younger, 21, 22 years old. Joe yeah. Burrow was 23. He's played for Ohio State and LSU, two elite programs, and now <laughs> moving on to the NFL. I mean, this You know, that kid,
0: man. sorry to cut you off, but the kid graduated from Ohio State in three years. Yeah. That's why he was instantly eligible for the transfer portal, redshirt, and then came back on his senior year. They do could have left. The dude, you know what, he didn't. He wasn't satisfied with mediocre. He went out and he's striving to be the epiphany of what a quarterback or any athlete should be. And I don't think he's going to make a huge splash this year coming up. You know, he's got to make sure the team around him, a whole new system everything. But give it a couple of years, this kid's going to be something special.
1: I, I agree with you there. And if we move on into the first round later on, there's a few surprising picks. So in the first one that catches my eye is the Las Vegas Raiders selecting Damon Arnett, uh, quarterback from Ohio State at 19. Now, granted... I'm an Ohio State fan. Yeah. You are too. Of course. Um, we've watched this kid. We know what he has the potential mm-hmm. he has, but most scouts gave this kid a second or third-round grade, and the Raiders to pull the trigger that early did surprise a lot of people, but I am excited. I think he can be an outstanding NFL cornerback.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, the surprise for me was the Carolina Panthers. I, I thought that they were going to. Go with an offensive lineman this year because uh, you know they, they have a radio show host down there named Nick Wilson. He's from Cleveland. He was a sports guy up here for many years. Uh, he was always talking about the offensive line having its problems down there in, in Carolina. So it's, in my opinion, I thought that they were going to go with an offensive lineman. Instead, they settled for a defensive tackle out Auburn. Yeah, which again, to me, was a bit of a surprise.
1: Yeah, this guy was the best, um, second best defensive lineman available behind Chase Young. He was the best defensive tackle. Now, Carolina used all. They used all seven of their draft picks on the defensive side of the ball. New, new head coach Matt Rule, coming in from Baylor, decided that the defense was the issue. Now, granted, they were one of the worst defenses in the defenses in the NFL last year. Um, so I understand this pick a little bit. I, they did have the offensive line needs, but they did sign a lot of offensive linemen as undrafted free agents, and a couple of them I do think have a lot of potential. Um,
0: that, that's Yeah, that's uh, something I didn't look into. See, that's why you're the NFL guy here. <laughs> but uh, moving on then, the Green Bay Packers. My,
1: oh, my. What go, go are ahead and they tell me, doing?
0: Tell me what you don't like about the Green Bay Packers, uh, trends, buddy.
1: Poor Aaron Rodgers. He's... A great quarterback. I mean, you can argue how good he is, but you can't you can't dispute the fact that he is one of the best right now in the NFL.
0: Yeah. I mean the dude could chuck up a Hail Mary sixty yards and somehow it drops to his receiver
1: every time. The number two receiver on the Green Bay Packers is an undrafted free agent Go. named Andrew Lazard Lazard. Now nothing wrong with that, but Aaron Rodgers needed help. I everyone had him taking a receiver. And not only did they not take a receiver, they took a quarterback. They took Jordan Love, the quarterback, out of Utah State. Now, I understand what they were doing. They did this with Aaron Rodgers, got him late in the first, to sat behind Brett Favre for a few years, and now look at him. But yeah, I just don't think this was the year to do it. I don't think this is the quarterback to do it with. No. And not only did they not take a receiver, they did not take a single receiver the entire draft.
0: I, I think they should have waited until next year's draft class and, and tried to develop one of those guys coming out. They're, instead of going out real, because he's, what, 36 this year? Uh, I, I'm not sure, but that yeah. sounds right. So, I mean, he's getting up there near those numbers, but at the same time, you should have let the guy get one more year and then draft the guy to put behind him or whatever. But, you know, it's a business. Who dang, Maybe this GM, this quarterback, or not quarterback, the GM and coach are trying to make a splash right off the rip. Maybe these guys are trying to fix everything that they think Mike McCarthy found find a way to break.
1: Right. and I mean, who knows what they're thinking is. I mean, obviously they're in that position and not me for a reason. Mm-hmm. It just, at this time, doesn't make a lot of sense. But moving on from that, there is one team that I think <laughs> had an excellent draft. I mean, the way they drafted was incredible. The players that fell to them, I mean – Wow, the
0: Baltimore Ravens. Oh, dude, don't even get us both of us started. We're, we're both AFC North guys, Bengals, Browns, uh, and then the Ravens come out of nowhere, and, I mean, that second-round seal, J.K. Dobbins blew us all uh, away. I do not want to play this team oh, twice a year. Because they got Mark Ingram who's going to run down your fucking throat. Oh, yeah. And then you got J.K. Dobbins, who we all know, can just zigzag in and out of you.
1: Yeah, the first round they took a linebacker out of LSU, Patrick Queen, and— I thought he, I thought he was the best linebacker in the class, and falling to them at twenty eight was unbelievable. That, that yes. is
0: crazy. That you know, not many teams pass up and think that they didn't need linebacker help. Linebackers are, I, I they're an epiphany, man. They what you need them for? They they stop the run game. They stop passing games over the middle. And for this many teams to pass up thinking that they they didn't need him.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, other than Isaiah Simmons, who.
0: Yes. He was an outside backer.
1: He was an outside backer, but he also played a lot of nickel, a lot of safety. Oh my god,
0: he was—he was the Jabril Peppers of as a linebacker. Jabril yeah. for Michigan three, four years ago played running back every single defensive position except for the line.
1: That's exactly what Simmons did. Exactly, and you look at the second round, like you said, J.K. Dobbins. In the third round, they took a defensive tackle out of Texas A&M. Uh, they had three third, or excuse me, four third round picks, and they got a receiver out of Texas, Devin DuVernay, Malik Harrison, linebacker from Ohio State, mm-hmm. and Tyree Phillips, an offensive tackle. And they, in by the end of the third round, they had filled all of their needs. I mean, running That's back to replace disgusting. Ingram, a defensive tackle to fill that line. They needed a new slot receiver because Willie Sneed's getting up there. This guy, I think he was uh, – 4-2-7 speed, something insane. That's crazy. I mean, they lost a couple linebackers in free agency. They got Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison. I mean, this team fell into some absolute gems. I,
0: I don't understand. Like, they they lose Ozzie Newsom from the general manager's position a couple years ago, and then suddenly, the, the new guy to take over, the new GM, don't know his name off the top of my head, he fills in as if Ozzie Newsom never left. The, these two worked together for a couple years, and then Wham, Ozzie goes into retirement. I, I think he's still some type of special assistant there. I don't follow them all too closely. However, the Ravens are on the team that do everything right somehow.
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be unfair. I mean, with Lamar Jackson back there. with That's Mark, basically
0: three running backs. It is. One it, with an arm.
1: Yeah, it. they're going to be dangerous for sure. I mean, I'm going to hate to play them. I, I already all...
0: hate playing them. Well, granted, the Browns beat them 40-25 last year, but that was a total fluke. Don't know what the Browns did right. Or what the Ravens did wrong, but my my surprise pick, everybody was freaking out about was uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. The fact that he was taken as late as he was, considering he was projected at the beginning of the season to be a top ten pick.
1: Yeah, he didn't have the year at Michigan. Everyone thought he did. Whether that's his fault, coaching's fault, Shay Patterson. Ryan. You know exactly what it is. We're Buckeyes fans. Yeah, I mean we. And know. The
0: inept quarterback. The inept offense. I d- Harbaugh, he's a good dude, but he he can't get it together. I think he worries too much about trying to focus on beating Ohio State every year that once it comes down to that thing, he's focused on OSU, and he, he loses focus halfway through the season. Anyways, you know, I just feel he is a smart guy, just doesn't have it all together sometimes because look what he did at Stanford. He was great. When he was in the San Francisco, he was great. But then at Michigan, you know he's got a good record. Don't get me wrong, but he's his defense is getting a lot done for him and holding teams down. Whereas you know we've got teams like Ohio State and Wisconsin and Nebraska that are putting him to work with their offense and the defense. So I don't know, but in my opinion, he was a top ten pick. Uh, or not, it wasn't my opinion. That was the people's opinion. He should have been a top ten pick. Found a way to drop all the way down to the sixth round. And this guy's one of those. He's a guy who's got talent, he's got raw ability, and I feel like when he gets mentored by uh, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., that he's going to learn to move up to that number one guy when the contract ends or they trade somebody away or whatever. And he is a threat in the punt return and kick return game.
1: Yeah, he is. I mean, keep staying with the Browns here, I mean, they, they had a pretty decent draft themselves. I mean, yeah. they had seven picks, uh, two third-rounders, did not have a seventh, but they got a tight end in Harrison Bryant. Um, to go along with Donovan, people Jones to help out Baker there. They got a center along with Jidric Willis, Nick Harris out of Washington. He's he was a decent player in college. He's gonna need a little time,
0: but I mean he'll, he's got J C Trident in front of him to teach him a lot of things. He's a good a good anchor for the line. So right, and then uh, they got a defensive tackle Jordan Elliott and
1: linebacker Jacob Phillips. I mean overall they did a good job. Grant Delpit out of LSU. I mean. Everyone's got their opinions on him. He's not my favorite player, but he's not on my team either, so <laughs> I'm uh, all right with that. But I mean, um, they, they did go down to
0: the, the SEC quite a bit. But
1: Yeah, it, it'll, this next season,
0: it'll, I'm very interested to see how these rookies play out. Oh, yeah. I mean, like we always say, you, can, you win the offseason, but that don't mean anything. It doesn't matter how good your draft is, how many off season acquisitions you made. You've got to make a team, put it all together on the field, not just on paper. It, exactly. Exactly. Well, George, I think that's all I got for this segment. Yep. Um, moving on. For our last segment, Adam had to go away. Another soldier needed him. So we're going to close out with slap shots. Um, we're going to do predictions over the AFC and NFC, the way too early prediction. So we have uh, in the AFC North, the Ravens we both agreed on. The South, we have the Titans we both agreed on. I have the Jets taking the East, and he has the Bills taking the East. Um, Don't know I just feel like the Jets are finally going to get their lives together Put a couple pieces together And they don't have to worry about Tom Brady the whole way However I can see Adam's point of view For the Bills We both agreed on the Chiefs for the West. For the NFC, I've got the Eagles and he has the Cowboys. Um, he thinks that their draft, everything put together, they got everything in place they need. The only thing that was missing was a competent head coach. Um, we both agreed on the Vikings. I picked the Saints and he picked the Bucks for the South. I just want Drew Brees to ride off in the sunset with his ring, get another one, and just go into retirement. He picked the Buccaneers because he thinks Tom Brady with Mike Evans and Gronk and OJ Howard is just, it's too much for most teams to keep up with so we're hoping that if it is the bucks you know maybe being in the heat is going to be a little bit easier on Brady's body than being up in the cold all the time and then we both agreed on the 49ers so that's our way too early prediction and on next week's show we're going to start talking football uh, we're going to start off with the AFC North and do a recap of some predictions about that so again it's that time of the episode time to call in the Zamboni driver Alright, special shout out to Kid Squabs for the music K-I-D-S-Q-U-A-B-Z Check them out Facebook and YouTube And of course, huge shout out to my best friend Drew Vlory for his cover art of the podcast Check them out atlascoverart.com You or anybody you know is looking for cover art For your album or anything else that you need art done for Look them, look them up He's a great man, he's got pre-made things, that's custom He's there to help you out So, anyways With that all being said and done If you can't be on the ice, make sure your beer is Stay safe and have a great week everybody
1: Sorry